0: everybody welcome to ask for candy where we talk about healing self-care love sex relationships and what it takes to be amazing on the daily who i am is Candace harper and my purpose with this podcast is to create healthy romantic relationships all around the world through self love soul connections and sweetness but before we get to that don't forget to subscribe to our our audio podcast on anchor itunes spotify and wherever you normally download your podcasts. you can even email us at askforcandypodcast at gmail.com to leave comments and ask questions. And sometimes you inspire topics. But for almost nine years, for those of you who've been listening, you know that I have been a relationship coach, a workshop facilitator, and also a professional matchmaker now with Luma Luxury Matchmaking Service. Brings high-end singles together to find their perfect love. And this is how I live into my purpose. Purpose of loving myself unconditionally and inspiring others to do the same, using their romantic lives as a portal, an inspiration, a catalyst to their highest possible self. Relationship coaching is my zone of genius, and the best part about it is that week to week, I get to grow and learn as I interact with hundreds of people around the most intimate parts of their lives. I get to take people on their journey from caterpillar to butterfly unhappy with their love lives or their partners to ecstatic. I get to teach people how to get out of their own way and tap into love as a limitless resource. Most importantly of all I get to do is I get to be part of what supports healthy beginnings and sustainably healthy relationships. I get to be the cause of self-love, soul connections and sweetness. I also get to work with amazing people like my co-host Frank Love. Frank Love is here with us to record and talk and chat and have a good conversation. Hi Frank Love. Hello. 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 <laughs> What's up? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. I want to tell the people. You're looking good. Thank you. I appreciate that. So it I, sounds like you're doing great work. Um, you know, I really, I feel like I am. I feel like I am. Sometimes I tell myself a story of like, you know, am I really, if I have too much going on, am I really showing up as fully as I could be? But, you know, if I give myself a break and just do what I know to do, I feel like yeah, you know, as long as I feel good about it, right?
1: Or call me and I'll give you a boost because I know you know. <laughs> I've seen your work. I know the sister. You know,
0: you know what Just happened. Just
1: call me. I'll, I'll regurgitate it a little bit to you.
0: I appreciate that. And <laughs> that was a nice choice watch- of words.
1: I was watching this show. You know, we're old people, right? Mm-hmm. So are we? You, you um, you know.
0: I mean, I know we're I the same age, but know. are we old people? Is that is that how we're gonna label ourselves? I don't know about that. I don't mind.
1: <laughs> Comparatively speaking, you know, you try talking to a twenty-one-year-old. Yeah,
0: no, it's horrible. You'll figure you, you, <laughs> <laughs> you.
1: will walk away happily saying, "I'm, I'm old,", old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be happy to say, <laughs> "I'm okay with it." <laughs>
1: right. I was. Um, I'm watching these uh, old episodes of The Practice. You remember The
0: Practice? Yeah, I used to love that
1: show. So I'm, I, I have forgotten every episode I ever watched. Uh-huh. And so You're they're probably over. Li- literally, huh? Yeah, You're I'm starting, starting all over. over. So they're
0: literally probably
1: 100 episodes. Yeah. And I'm watching them, binge watching. And that's one of the things I do before I go to bed, sitting watching with my wife. You know, we're just having a good time. Yeah. And one of the things one district attorney, Helen, says to another district attorney, or he says it to her. They're like, give me the speech. And the speech is why they do what they do, oh. and it helps to boost them and keep them going. So you may you may call me and say, "Hey, give me the speech." I think
0: and we need to we, we need to have our speech, right? Because I can do and that you. for you as well. I mean, as relationship well, yes. coaches, right? People in the it's love definitely business. Definitely reciprocal, right? We need to have our speech. Was it a long speech? What was their speech, basically? You are smart was, enough. You is good enough. You is kind. You is... <laughs> no,
1: we fight for the people who can't fight for themselves. Yeah. And, you know, that blah, blah,
0: blah.
1: You know, truth, justice, the American way. That kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: You know, well, but, ours is like, we stand for love, unconditional love. And what else? Ah. Uh, healthy, healthy relationships and community.
1: Healthy relationships, healthy individuals, yeah. being more loving, uh, looking at yourself, Digging up your own shit, working with your shit, <laughs> dealing with it, massaging it, getting to know it. Yeah. Uh, and and creating a better world starting in your
0: relationship. That's that's where I come. I from. like that. I like that. Ender creating a better world starting with your relationships. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Frank Love, can I tell the people about you? Go on. on. So Frank Love is a loving husband, a father of five, a speaker, a podcaster, a blogger, a vlogger, and a coach as well. And he's the author of Relationship Conversations You Don't Want to Have But Should Anyway and 25 Ways to Be Loving. Frank is a DC native with degrees from Howard and George Washington universities. And through years of research, writing, and inquiry, he has discovered that romantic partnerships tend to be anything but loving, often fraught with scorekeeping, martyrdom, blaming, and shaming. Frank believes that it's time that we take an honest look at what it means to be loving and implement love skills. He also has a declaration, I want to be loved and accepted in my relationship no matter what I do and you do too, and it's a powerful wake-up call to himself and to all of us as we work to create the supportive, empathetic, and mutually fulfilling relationships that we so desperately want. And now Frank is here to introduce us to a loving conversation with the sincere hope that we will be more caring in the world and in our communities beginning with our romantic relationships and that's basically what you were just saying huh frank
1: hey hey yeah i I try to be a little consistent
0: yes i love it (laughs) i think you're doing it i think you're doing it honey so um wait there was a question that i wanted to ask you about as i was reading your every time i read your bio like there's things that come up and i always forget to ask you Implement love skills, I want to be accepted by a powerful wake. I love that you say a powerful wake-up call to himself and to all of us. Because I do really believe in that, like, you know, the more and more I get into a transformation conversation, the more I realize that it starts with me. I think when I started out, it was let me know as much as I can so I can tell as much as I can. But what I learned is that it was let me transform as much as I can. So, right, so because right. otherwise, the telling is nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The conversation starts with ourselves. Yeah, and that's where I. That's where I get the rich stuff. Yeah. Um, by by having the conversations that come to me in my own life that people bring to me that I may have figured out or worked through because I've already addressed it in my own life. Yeah. But it is uh, there ain't a whole lot of theory. I'm just working from. There's stuff that. I've actually had to deal with most of it. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I hear that, and I think too, it's like there's this sort of um, expectation that if you consider yourself to be a leader in any way, or if you look to support people with their own transformation, that you have to be one hundred percent. And I don't I've never believed that was the case. I mean, actually, in the beginning, I kind of did. I thought I had to get to a certain level before I, you know, and, and on some level, you do have to know some things to teach other people. But I think that as soon as we start to say, "I've figured it all out, so now i'm I'm showing it to you, it's like then we we cut off the possibility for how much we can t- learn ourselves and teach other people, right? Because I, I, it's and just you- never ending.
1: Yeah, and you're no longer present. When yeah, you think you're on autopilot. I just gave a presentation about this today. Mm-hmm. But when you are, uh, when you think autopilot is working, you could end up really in a midst of a problem. Right. Because uh, we, we, there's always some nuance, some variance to what our previous experience or experiences are. Yeah. And if you stay present, you could possibly work through them. But if you're not present you can end up with a tragedy on your hand. And that doesn't mean you can't work through that. Yeah. But stay present is the way to get the best result as far as I'm concerned.
0: I like that. I like that, especially because, like, you know, coaching itself has become so popular. And so many people, you know, I think because of Oprah, a lot of people, you know, they want to just – they feel like becoming a coach is something they can just easily do and then make a whole lot of money. And it's, But I think that what most people find, I know for myself – in deciding to even become a coach, like I, what I learned very quickly was that it, like you said, if it doesn't start with yourself, you ain't doing nothing. Like it's not, (laughs) it's such a like self, um, you know, unlike a lot of other industries or jobs that you could work, so much of it depends on your own willingness to, to heal and grow. Even when you're not even talking about love, if you're just, you know, teaching people, you know, uh other kinds of skilled business skills or or whatever it's like so much of it being able to call yourself like a leader a teacher is how willing am i to heal and grow
2: That's right. Yeah. That's absolutely right.
0: Yeah. No, I love it. So, I want to talk about sex. All right. <laughs> We're gonna do a little bit of a deep dive into sex oh and sexuality. What do you think okay. about that? <laughs> you I have like a little this. you have a little crinkle in your brow that I've never seen before. Big okay. brother, because I'm close to the camera. Is that yeah. what it is? It's not. A, it's not a. We're going to talk about sex face. <laughs> hey, maybe it is. I don't know. We'll see where we go. We'll like, like you're go. looking like. What is she about to come with? Because is this going to be crazy? <laughs> I'm, hey, I've seen some
1: of your recent Facebook posts. Yeah. And I realize there's no telling where you're
0: going to come. From. <laughs> you know, I say whatever, right? <laughs> I, I do know that. I, I'm clearly <laughs>
1: picking up on that, and I'm enjoying
0: it. Oh, good. Oh, good. It all depends on my yep. mood. You know, I, that's my family reputation as well. They're always like, Candace, you just say whatever. Well, somebody has to. <laughs> yeah. I, you,
1: you notice that I am saying uh, multiple times, I think it is. I've said, you wow. You do. <laughs> I love it. I don't mean I have any problem with what you're saying. But, you're wild. I'm wild. It's
0: true. I'm I'm out there. I love it. It's good. <laughs> Enjoy. So so speaking of being wild, yes. I mean, I you know, I like to listen to um a lot of different experts and authors and you know people who are in this conversation doing this business. And one of my favorites is Dr. John Gray. You know, okay. and you actually interviewed him at some point, didn't you? Didn't you do an interview with him? Or no, I'm thinking of Gary Chapman. You did I did you, Gary Chapman. Jerry, Gary yep. Chapman. Well, John Gray did um, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, mm-hmm. and he I think he's got a lot of interesting stuff about uh, feminine masculine energy and you know how relationships best work, and he talks a lot about the dynamic of, and it's an old school dynamic in the sense that I think it's since the dawn of man, but because we've progressed the way we have, it sort of has become bastardized and changed in different ways but he talks about how you know in a relationship a cisgendered traditional man-woman relationship um the the male of the relationship thrives more and has higher levels of testosterone if he's able to give and do and be a caregiver and be valuable be valued and be needed So if he feels like he's sort of like the hero of the situation or the caretaker or the provider of the situation and not and by provider, I don't only mean like money, but like, you know, like fixes the problems, makes the solutions, does things that that make everyone in the family or the partner feel safe, Mm -hmm. you know, the provider of safety whatever that looks like for different relationships. He talks about how that's important for a man. And for a woman, it's very important to be in the feminine energy and raise the estrogen by being um, uh, willing to be supported and helped and and um, getting out of a masculine energy space of fighting for love, like being able to just be, like be in your sort of goddess energy where you're not trying to win a man over or force a situation or make them do things. Mm-hmm.
1: Or I, I I would say, or win anything or make anything
0: happen. Yeah. Like that's pure that feminine make, energy when you're not, you're not trying to make anything happen. <laughs>
1: that's exactly my point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But that's not to say that there's anything wrong with, you know, cause we've talked about before how both men and women have both, Yes, masculine, feminine energy, and I think you know, for women who, do, who like to do, it's okay to be in your masculine energy to get things done, and and you know that's naturally what happens. But what I loved that he was talking about on a show the other day was this whole thing around sexuality, sexual shame, and so the conversation. We're here. We are. It's March. It's it's uh, Women's History Month. The other day was the International Day of Women. We definitely want to celebrate women, but the conversation is often around slut shaming and making women wrong for wanting sex and, you know, what happens with women culturally when they've had sex or if they've had sex, you know, what's considered too soon. Like, I feel like that's a, that's a pretty common conversation, but I think what's also happening right now is that there's a lot of male sexuality shaming as well, which, and I think the danger in that because we, you know, recently had the me too movement and, you know, it's become more uh, more of a focus in society that, you know, men need to behave better when it comes to sexual relations and understanding that no means no and all of that. And while I believe all of that to be valid, I also think that there's this dangerous tipping thing that's happening where it, it, it first of all, the shaming is not good either way, but where it's like men aren't allowed to be sexual or sexually driven But that's biologically what's going on. (laughs) What do you think about that as a man? Like like from your point of view. It's it's
1: interesting because we were talking okay, we've already started talking about how I'm old.
0: Yes. And I'm reminded (laughs) of that talking
1: to younger people. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of these conversations are young people conversations. They're Mm -hmm. just and and I could be wrong, and I because I'm just in many ways, I'm just not having those conversations. Yeah. Um, So it, it I'm gonna need some coaching around some of this stuff. Um, because it's just so unfamiliar to me. Yeah. Uh the the Me Too stuff, it, I see it, but I'm I'm not in the middle of that. I'm yeah. not even I, I don't buy into the whole cancel culture thing. It's 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 another, it's just Oh, I don't know. Please teach me. Give (laughs) give me a little more to comment on.
0: Because the hell if I know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's good to enter into this conversation, mainly because you have kids. Right. And I think what is what is important about it and you're and I agree with you, it is mainly a young conversation and it's also a single person's conversation because it's Mm -hmm. about like navigating through, you know, sexual culture. Right. So I don't
1: just have kids. I've got a social justice kid
0: you've got a social justice kid so one that's like yeah. he's he, is she or he she and she's she's uh determined about social justice is she like absolutely yeah so no. she probably could be in mm-hmm. on this conversation mm-hmm. as well right i mean Dang. you know the thing about it is that that you know the children are the future right so it's this having a conversation that allows for everybody to be able to be who they naturally are and also learn how to respect and value each other. Because I think what's happening now is that it's either we're shaming one or the other. And the shame actually promotes, you know, with men, a lot of times the violence and with women, the self-destruction. I
1: think it's both both of the shaming is a form of masculine energy as far as i'm concerned it's a form of masculine energy that both sexes participate in and when women do it they are doubling down on destroying themselves because they're using masculine energy to address issues that they attribute to males Mm. so it's it's like it's like using a gun to stop gun violence Mm. it's not and as far as I'm concerned, yeah. that's not the way to do it. Yeah. You're you're teaching people to do and to strike back with the same energy you're complaining about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that absolutely. I have a question for you because this speaks back to your saying that you feel like. You're not in these conversations. But when you think about growing up and stuff like that, because I know what the messages were for me as a woman, you know, generation X, we're the same age. Do you feel like as you were growing up and when you were young, there was any sort of and here's the reason why I'm asking this question. I remember my mom used to always um, be very like give, give us an attitude of be grossed out when guys are attracted to you. Like, you know, men on, men would check us out on the street or cat call us and stuff like that. And my mom would always be like, he's disgusting, that's disgusting, right? That he's looking at you like that. Like, you know, don't, and that's what she taught us. Be disgusted by it, by the male uh-huh. gaze. Be disgusted by them trying to, you know, flirt with wow. you and talk to you, right? And I think that that's a lot of young women, especially like, uh, you know, millennials and Gen Z, it, they are disgusted with it. <laughs> right they they don't want to be you know there's youtube videos about it they don't want to be catcalled. they don't want anybody looking at them sexually they don't want to be what they call fucked in the eye by strangers you know it's like they feel an assault a a lack of safety and there's validity in that because sometimes it is unsafe but Mm -hmm. for you growing up when you were young did you ever feel any kind of sense of like don't Follow any natural urges or watch your natural urges or what you desire is not right or any of that sort of thing. Did you ever experience that?
1: Mm. I can't I can't remember or any like right that, Nah, no. no. Um my experience is I was one grade ahead. Mm. So I had skipped a grade. So I always felt a little, you know, in early schooling, I always felt a little behind yeah. and like I couldn't talk to girls because they was one year older than me and stuff like that yeah that's what I dealt with at one point and then and then a sister asked me when I was in the 10th grade I laugh about this regularly and and I've been wanting to tell this sister this she's on she's a Facebook friend but mm. I haven't yet um just because I told her I wanted to talk to her about something but she ain't hit me up yet yeah but um she she asked me to go to the Christmas ball with her. And I thought she was joking. Uh-huh. Like, I, I didn't even take it seriously.
2: Uh-huh.
1: But it wasn't until I got older like I was like, wow, she actually wanted to go with me and, and did and took me seriously. Yeah. So that was a different that was like that was quite an interesting uh little little point in my life. Yeah. But not I didn't have the the problem that you're noting mm-hmm. where just it's where I was being made to feel wrong for just what I might have been experiencing or feeling. No.
0: Yeah. I mean, but what was the sort of sexual paradigm when you were growing up? Like as a man a generation X man of color, and you grew up you grew up Christian as well? No. No, you did not. So no. what what was like sort of the sexual paradigm? Was it just, you know, boys will be boys, go out and get yours, or was it like you know, be respectful, wait until you're older. Like, what did you, what was your messages?
1: No, it wasn't any be respectful, wait until you're older. I mean, yeah. be respectful, but not wait until you're older. And, um, yeah, get, you know,
0: get some ass. <laughs> you're told get some
1: ass.
0: <laughs> yeah, go, go get it. Yeah. Figure it out. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know, like, like, that message, do you know how old you were when you first started to get that message?
1: I don't remember not getting that message. You really? Know, I, <laughs> boys are always curious about sex.
0: And,
1: yeah. You know, boys are always talking to each other about sex. And, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't remember not that yeah. not being of interest. Yeah. You know, porno when you're a kid. That
0: sort of thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yep, I got gotcha. you. it's interesting. I mean, I like I, I think you know, ultimately, it's like, what is it that makes it so it's such a a taboo and also you know, what is it that would make it that relations around it would just be easier like that that you know we could not be making making each other wrong around it because you know your experience notwithstanding, I think that there is a lot of wrong making around sex and sexual feelings. And I think that does affect how people couple and how they get together. And even like a lot of relationships, they're together for a long time. And then the sex goes away. And if there's no relationship with sexuality, like if I'm not, if I have no relationship with my personal sexuality, we're not even in the conversation about how do we evolve this over the years? Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, people just stop doing it. And it's just like, (laughs) or they start cheating or, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. Mm. the, mm.
1: the, the conversation that seems to be prevalent today, it seems to be pushed by, if you notice, I mean, we're about to get into a conversation that, that just, you know, one of those conversations we get into. Yeah. Um, America is in many ways about ramping things up. It's rarely about de-escalating. Mm. It's rarely about slowing down, relaxing. It's, it's you know, slowing down is something, slowing down and taking, you, you take 10 days to slow down after you've taken a thousand days ramping up.
2: Mm. And there's
1: no real, there's no real parity with the two. They're not they're not that closely related the ramping up and the, the escalation now police you police walk around with a, a, a firearm on their side that says basically do what I say or I'll kill you mm-hmm. or I can kill you I mean the government rarely is willing to back off and say it's not yeah it is it's not worth it um to to it's only been citizens. I mean, we are taught, we are, you know, we're taught to ramp things up so much. So it's the same thing that's happening
2: mm-hmm. with
1: in, interpersonal dynamics. We kill each other because we are ramping things up. We're, we're not conditioned and taught to, to be caring for one another,
2: mm-hmm. to
1: look deeper into what the other person is going through, what the other person is dealing with what their experiences are, what their problems are. We're not taught to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're taught to win.
0: And so you can't you can't blame them. Yeah. No, I mean, I think what I'm hearing you saying is, like, that that same energy of... It's sort of like a survival energy, right? That same energy of, like, win at any cost and just don't let anybody, you know, uh, get over on you. That's right. Gets into our, our intimate and romantic relationships as well. Exactly. Yeah. It's an
1: energy of absolute fear, yeah. which is the foundation of my book, 25 Ways to Be Loving.
0: Yeah. But do you think, like, because I think even what you're talking about, if, you, if you're, you know, talking about just the social, our social interactions, I think a lot of the way our social interactions play out have to do with shame as well. And that's that is or isn't, you know, does or doesn't have something to do with sexual um, trauma or, you know, sexual shame. But I think, you know, at the heart of a lot of this, I, I think that sexual shame actually plays a huge part in even why we are culturally as a community of that mindset. Because it comes from, you know, those old days of Puritanism where it's like, make it wrong, make it wrong, make it wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, generations later, here we are with this sort of like, uh, you know, it's a weapon that we use against each other. Yeah. Right? And so if you... Go ahead, what are you going to say?
1: Well, keep in mind, sex is one of those things that it bothers a lot of us. I mean, it's, you know, sex is one of those possessive points, it's one of those conflict-laden points. I mean, there's a lot that we deal with around sex, like all of us. Mm -hmm. And it's instead of dealing with it in an honorable way or in a way that's respectful to humanity, we would rather control the people who have that power over us or people who have that, yeah, that we are sexually connected with. We'd rather control them than have an honest conversation. Yeah, And that's, again, that's that shows up all over the place.
0: See, and I think that all comes back to the shame, right? Because if I'm shaming something or if I'm shameful about something, I can't relate with it in, a, in an authentic and loving way because I'm too busy either trying to hide it or trying to pretend like it doesn't exist or control it or control it, you know, or or make myself feel better about Mm -hmm. it not wanting to be seen around it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's all shame, shame, shame. So I think, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, what is the conversation about? Like, you know, how is that? How do you put a solution in place? How do you get people to say, well, even though I, I don't, you know, as a woman, I may not feel safe under the, the male gaze of a stranger or somebody cat calling me, I can say it's natural and biological that someone would feel sexual feelings towards me. And as a man, you know, which I think with men, it's more that judgment about, oh, how many partners have you had or, you know, how she acting in the, you know, especially it starts in school. I think it's like, you know, how many dudes has she slept with and if she's been with so-and-so or, you know, whatever, and even as we get older, I think men sometimes have that like purity thing where they—it's like they want that, um, that illusion, that that you know that that purity is important. Even you know in an older age, I think the conversation is how do we heal that? Like those old mindsets, those old paradigms that dictate that there should be shame around sex, because I think that's why we have people who are you know, sexually dysfunctional and by sexually dysfunctional, I'm putting an umbrella over, you know, uh, uh, yeah. You know, like unsafe promiscuity or, um, you know, compromising yourself and doing things that, that, you know, you don't really want to do or, um, being violent and hurtful. Like all of that stuff is sexual dysfunction. Right. But it, it all sits under that umbrella of shame. So how do we begin that conversation, the releasing of the shame conversation?
1: by being honest with the discomfort that we each experience around sex mm-hmm. and in some ways being okay with it. Um, we, we men want virgins because they don't want to imagine the woman that they're with, that their treasure, that they, you know, whatever, uh, ever having sex with someone else. Mm -hmm. They want to feel special. They want to feel so special that to think that they have been with that woman and no one else has.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That's that's really, that's the crux of that. Now, how do we deal with that? By being honest about what these men want. What men want. They want this feeling. Is that realistic? I mean, given that, Men want to have sex with women and they want to have sex with lots of women and at, <laughs> at certain points in their life. and where are these women gonna come from? they're going to come <laughs> yeah I <laughs> mean you can't expect to have sex with several women and the one that you're going to meet in the years to come to to be with for the presumably rest of your life or whatever you want to call it or you're going to be with, is not wanna be one of those women some other man has had sex with. It's, yeah. it's, it's in many ways it's preposterous. And so we get it's important to get honest about it, it's get real and uh, and just relax, relax. Yes, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, and I'll survive. I uh, and, and there, that's the case with jealousy, envy, you can be uncomfortable and know that you'll survive. And know that if you do absolutely nothing with your discomfort, jealousy, envy, that every day that passes, you will become stronger around that issue and it will affect you less. But it takes an honest conversation with yourself where you do not feel like you got to do something all the time. And so many of us feel like we have to do something right now to eliminate that pain, that feeling, that discomfort. And we don't
0: yeah no now you you've inspired a, a new question <laughs> if you're willing to go there because you said all of us have a, an uncomfortability around the conversation of sex so what yes. is what is your uncomfortability around it? Oh man okay. <laughs> and Maybe. that it's a two-part question because I also want to find out what what you talk about how you talk about it with your kids if you talk about it with your kids.
1: Uh. Okay. Yes, <laughs> those are two starkly different. You know, I mean, yeah. they're, they're related, but they're I got to put on two different hats to to address them. So the first one is, what are, what are my issues? Yeah, what like what have, issues?
0: What, yeah, what is what is your uncomfortable? like like what is your because un- you said that when you were growing up in condition you just always knew that it was like you know go out and get some pussy because I'm a guy and that's just what we do and it was like you know that from what you described right does that sound accurate so that's so accurate. yeah and so with that conditioning it's like so where does discomfort come from like where when you say it's an uncomfortable conversation where is it uncomfortable for you
1: well all of the conversations I've mentioned I've had uh the fact is that- you know, there was a there was a time when I was with a sister that had a child, mm. and it irritated me. I mean, this was I was a kid, you know, I was like a late teenager, yeah. And it irritated me that she had had sex with someone. Else. Mm. I mean, that was something that bothered me. Yeah. Um, and they, in every single jealousy. And every every emotion you can muster, I've had them all.
0: Yeah. And they would were...
1: I still work with them.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm no, you know, I I got my own issues. Uh and I'm I'm also clear that you work with them. That's how you deal with them. You work with them. Work with your shit.
0: Yeah. But what you're talking about is those were all um sex related conversations, like the jealousy and things like that. They were all around whether or not she'd had sex with somebody else. I mean, the reason that I'm asking is because I do want like a uh you know I'm kind of excavating your male mind behind it, you know because okay, okay. I, I know my own experience with it, and you know where and I feel like with female shaming, female shaming is so out in the open and it's such a like uh, a given. You know what I mean? It's such a like uh, throwaway thing because we're so used to it mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes to sex. But I feel like male shaming, it it, de- it deserves some excavation. And, and, you know, even wondering, you know, if men really do feel shameful or if they just feel like the feelings they have need to just be kept in the dark. Just because it's a way to uh, maneuver and operate, you know, like I'm curious about what it what it is
1: male shaming around exactly what because the shaming could go in different ways you could be shamed because you can't get no ass yeah
2: um
1: you you could be Mm -hmm. there's so many different ways to go with the shaming Uh, i'm not saying one is better than the other but male shaming may look different than female shaming yeah
0: well, I guess I'm associating shaming with whatever makes it an uncomfortable conversation. So if I'm asking for you, when you say that you know we all find it uncomfortable and you say that for you it's been uncomfortable or you found you have ever found it uncomfortable, to me that is a point of shame. Like I feel like and that, and maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, I associate the things that that make us uncomfortable with an amount of shame that we have around them. Like I know for me, the things that I'm uncomfortable to talk about, which there's not a whole lot, (laughs) but there was a time when those were things that I felt shame around. So yeah, that's what I'm associating is is shame and uncomfortability and asking you where your uncomfortability lies. And you said, because you even still deal with it today, but you're a father and you're a married father. So I feel like your dealing with it is highly valuable to people who are listening, like, you know, well, what, what is it for you? Cause if somebody who's married and, and has kids <laughs> has that, yeah, that,
1: deals with it. Then. Yeah.
0: Then, you know, and everybody deals with it, but if someone married and has kids deals with it, that what's that saying is, is that we all need healing around it. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and that there's work to do for all of us. Yeah. You know? I mean, I mean, You could ask some, ask something much deeper, and I'm willing to go there. You know, just what is what are the the points where I would feel like? Talk about the stuff
0: that's uncomfortable, yeah. (laughs) I'm putting you on the spot for you, would be uncomfortable. Well, Um, for for you, like, what do you find personally uncomfortable about it? The,
1: The if I if my wife were to have sex with someone else, that would be uncomfortable. Now that doesn't mean I wouldn't work through it. I mean it's, it fits the, the exact mold that you've been saying. Yeah. That doesn't mean I wouldn't work through it. It doesn't even mean that I would want her to stop. Yeah. It would just mean that there would be some discomfort that I had to work through. Yeah. Um if the what else? What are some other sexual
0: What are some things that I mean you have you have kids, so I know there's gotta be some things that like and you can tell me if I'm pressing too hard, but there's go, gotta be go. some things that are just like uncomfortable conversations that already, it's already in existence, not like the what ifs. I mean, Did you have-, have, you have with, Huh?
1: That I have with my children?
0: Well, maybe, you know, I don't know. Is it that it's uncomfortable conversations? Cause I know it's uncomfortable to talk about sex with children, but it obviously needs to be done, especially as they get to certain ages and things like that. But like, you know, maybe around that or maybe around just, I don't know. Only you know. <laughs> yeah, you got, get, I mean,
1: I, I just gave you the the. My wife would have sex with somebody. But else. that's
0: a what if. That's not a. That this is what is so, or this is what I, I've dealt with. That's uncomfortable. That's a what if.
1: Okay. Okay. Right? So that is you're, you're touching on by calling that a what if. You're touching on something else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, if if I were, if that were the case with my wife. If she didn't want me to talk publicly about it, I wouldn't talk publicly about it. Yeah. So any, basically anything I am going to say is going to be a what if. Um, unless it's like so minuscule that she would be comfortable with me saying she has not. Um But even more, I mean, that would probably be a what if. In other words, my... My first responsibility is to protect my wife. Sure. Um, and so, in having these conversations, I can tell you some hypotheticals and that kind of thing. But if, unless she's told me in so many words and so many ways that she would be comfortable with me sharing this to a, with a larger population. I'm not going to
0: do that. Yeah. No, I can, oh. I can appreciate that. I mean, you know, I mm-hmm. think what I'm getting at is like when you say th- that everybody has uncomfortable conversations, and I'm starting to get that whatever your uncomfortable conversation is, that, it's, it, that it is between you and her. And I don't want to like get in your business in that way. Right. But I guess what I'm pointing to is for you personally, um, mm-hmm. if there's anything without having to call anybody out or anything like that, that you feel makes conversation around sex uncomfortable
1: make conversation around sex uncomfortable
0: yeah because you said it's uncomfortable for everybody
1: yeah i mean we have some my my point was we have some issues everybody's got some stuff they're dealing with around sex um yeah now what what is it's it varies It, it just varies and like i said without my wife's specific permission to say it i wouldn't share what we talk about or what we buy. So let's go, yeah. some,
0: let's go someplace else.
1: Okay.
0: So like, you know, like what do you tell your, tell your kids about it? Like what do, you t- what do you, when you talk to your kids, what do you tell, like what is your, you know, what is dad's sort of mindset around sex and, you know, what is allowed, what is, uh, you know, productive, what makes well, sense what is want? healthy
1: pick pick a child so i've got 20 a 22 year old mm-hmm. a 16 year old a 13 year old 10 and 7 pick one
0: okay so you do you uh, well i mean pick, you pick one <laughs> whichever one you want to talk about <laughs> i mean <laughs> because it, it, it's it, go ahead let it be
1: you know, remove me from picking cuz i want you to go you know i want
0: you to just get me going yeah. Well, we'll start with the young one. So you said the youngest one is 7 Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, I would imagine with that, with older siblings, they're exposed because that's just what happens when you have older siblings. You're exposed to some ideas of sex or something sexual, or you see things every now and then. So what...
1: Um, they see, you know, she sees uh, her mother and I flirting and, and walking around naked all the time. Yeah. Um... There's nothing, I mean, what is, let's see. Do you
0: have conversations with her? Does she ask questions about it? I guess what I'm getting at, and, and, you know, the idea here is for anyone who's listening, is to help people out of this idea that it does have to be uncomfortable conversations, that it's just a given that sexual conversations are uncomfortable conversations, because they don't have to be uncomfortable conversations unless we frame them that way, right?
1: Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So I Um, guess
0: what I'm looking for is and, you know, I'm willing to share as well if you have questions for me about it. But, you know, what I'm looking for is from your position, being a married father, you know, uh, what are the conversations that you're having? And I don't mean digging in you and your wife's business or anything like that, but like, mm -hmm. you know. Like with your seven-year-old, do you have conversations with her about like, what is your, what is your paradigm for your kids? Because at one point your 21-year-old was seven as well, right? And obviously you know more now than, than you knew then. Uh But what do you want your kids, both the boys and the girls to kind of think about sex? And, you know, what, what do you, what do you impart to them? What's dad's outlook?
1: Let's see. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so I'm going to take it, I'm going to start at the 22-year-old. Mm-hmm. What I have shared with her, um, I've mm-hmm. shared with her some of my sexual experiences, some of the, the challenges and the, um, mm-hmm, some, some of the challenges, some of the outcomes. Um, we've had those conversations. Mm-hmm. I shared with her an understanding that I understand that she will have sex. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I have shared with her.
0: My but was purchase. it always, was it always fine? I mean, was there a time where you were like, I don't want you to do it? Was there no. a time when you were like, make sure you use protection or any of that? Like, what was your well,
1: protection? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and because my, I I just think until you were, in a relationship that until you're in a relationship where you're comfortable and when you all have actually gone to the doctor and been tested together, mm-hmm. uh, you yeah, know everybody's got everything. Yeah. And just you know assume that. Assume that, period.
0: Do you share that with her? Yeah. She knows you feel yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the next one is a boy.
1: Yep. Yeah. He's 16.
0: And what do you, what do you tell him?
1: Uh, The same around uh, STDs are real. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I have asked him, you know, there was an issue that came up with school with, with him and his classmates in school. A few years ago, we, it was something they were looking at. And we talked about that. Um, but that's I ask him about girls, his thoughts on girls, um, and we laugh and joke about that, those kinds of things. And that's that's really it. That's the short of that. And then with the thirteen-year-old, I probably talk to him about the same as as a sixteen-year-old. Yeah. And ten-year-old, I don't know. She she is. Uh, I don't really. I want to talk to her about sex. Um, and seven, you know, we've already talked about her. Um, oh, so, but the, the there's when I said that there's some uncomfortable issues that we're all working through around sex. That might you you we don't all have to be working through an uncomfortable issue i very much agree it doesn't need to be uncomfortable for all of us
2: mm-hmm.
1: however what i have seen says that it's uncomfortable to work through it i mean you work through it because there's a discomfort yeah the the jealousy envy the the different you know blah 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 they they are there but everyone that I've seen that I'm aware of, um, from the beginning, and if mm. you get through them, it's because you've done the work. Yeah. Um, so when I say working through them, there's a there's a very that's that's kind of the start. You know, you identify these issues, and you know, you see how human you are, and how like everybody else, and you know, the all of the stuff that we we all, in many ways, all of the places we all start. Yeah. Um, and then you work through
0: it yeah yeah i don't disagree with you i just think you know it's good to sort of pinpoint what the working through it is and like being able to identify it call it what it is and then say you know this is what this is what has me thinking the way that i'm thinking and i can i can identify that without needing to um m- you know make a story around it. it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me or anything like that. But it's that, like I said, you know, I've said if people were playing a drinking game around how many times I'm gonna say shame, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think the working through it is being able to recognize and heal that shame. And so, you know, back around to our original point about it, I think that because, you know, I mean, maybe not because, but for so long, it, sexual shame was about, you know, having women be pure. And now with how things are shifting culturally in our world, I think now it's around having men be non-sexual or at least uh, well-behaved when it comes to their sexuality. And by well-behaved, I'm saying, you know, understanding that no means no and not being aggressive and not, you know, making women uncomfortable on the street and all of that stuff. Like, I think there's this sort of uh, demand for that. But I think to demand that is to try to control the behavior of someone rather than understand where the behavior comes from.
1: And demonstrate a care for wherever that person is coming from. or what they're dealing with. I I wanna back up a little bit, and uh, I did not jump in when you said it, uh, just out of basic respect. Mm -hmm. With the, the, you you said that that it started with women being pure. Mm -hmm. Uh, The shaming started with women being pure. And I don't agree with that. I believe it started with men wanting to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And there's and and they wanted to feel safe because of we we wanted to feel safe because of our own insecurities.
0: And well, what are you like? What are you pointing to at? Like a point in history where men wanted to feel safe? Like where where are you?
1: I'm pointing to the 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 um wanting women to be pure is a byproduct of men wanting to feel safe
0: Hmm.
1: so i think one comes before the other
0: yeah so what from where though like how do you know (laughs) do you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i i think i do but (laughs) um you
1: you know because you just look at what fueled the other all right if if women if we want our women to be pure well why why do we want that? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer comes before that, uh, which is we wanna, we don't want to be challenged with dealing with X, Y, and Z. You know, mm-hmm. all of these other things. Men want—they don't want to be challenged. They don't want to be uh, fear fearful. They don't want to be scared. They don't want to be hurt. Those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Now, why don't they want to? That's another question we could ask. We could certainly we we could dig down, Um, but uh, yeah, and and much and the the answer may end up at least in part back on the laps of women. I mean, I'm not saying it belongs to the issue belongs to one sex or the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are many levels and layers to it, Uh, but certainly it's it's not it doesn't start start with women need to be pure. There's more. Is more under
0: that? Well, I mean, if I guess if we're speaking genera- generationally, that would make sense, and that's you know that could be true. It's like which came first, the chicken or the egg? But I think that if we look at you know what society is like today and what's going on today, I think the. And I'm not saying this from the point of view of like, oh, I'm a woman, so I'm a victim of this thing. But I think this idea that that women have to possess purity has been the longstanding idea where it, for boys, for men, it's like, you know, boys will be boys. Do what you want to do. Have what you want to have. Make sure you, like you said, you grew up like just make sure you get some pussy. Right. And for some boys, they might not. Nev- that is not what
1: I said. That's well, the second time you've said that. And that well, is not did, what I
0: said. You said something about it was just go get some or, or get some ass. Get that's some ass. I said. Yeah. I said ass. Oh, I OK. <laughs> but we know we're talking about the same thing. We right? are talking about the exact same <laughs> Exactly. But
1: I'd <laughs> talk with you for a second there.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's just it. Like, that's the difference between you know, for generations, how how men have been raised to be around sex okay. and how women have been raised to, to be around sex. But ultimately, I think that there is a, still a story of shame for both of them. It's just a different kind of shame. And with what's happening now in our culture, there's been this shift where the shame is all about like men should be shameful because they are You know, sexually driven, and I think there's where the danger lies because I I think sexually driven is biology, it's science, Mm -hmm. but sexually aggressive is cultural, and that's a problem to be, you know, or sexually violent, Mm -hmm. is a problem to be looked at, and and we're not making the distinction between those two things. Just like for for women, for so long we didn't make the distinction between sexually promiscuous. You know, there there is a, there can be a level of self-destruction in that compared to sexually free, you know, where I still love myself and I protect myself and I take care of myself, but I, I enjoy what I enjoy. We weren't mm-hmm. making a distinction. It was, you know, you're having sex, you're a slut. Right? Yeah. So I, I think that what, what I'm wanting to do is just open up that conversation so that we can develop a new paradigm. I mean, whoever whoever it started with first it's gotta start with one or the other first now to transform it, right? Like we have to be willing to have new conversations around it. And gone are the days where it's like a woman's value was like currency where it's like, oh, you know, if she's if she's pure, she's not pure, you know. If she's like, I trade her off, or she's not good enough, or I'm gonna be unsafe, or all of that. Like, you know, obviously we all have to have a level of safety, but in a different way these days. But you know, we're in a different time now, so it's like, how do we have conversations where the shame is is removed and and sexuality is distinct and and honored on its own rather than made to be this thing where it's an uncomfortable conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I suspect it's two-sided. Yeah. One is it's important to conduct ourselves as as though we are aware that the person that we want to be with is is we we as the, we we conduct ourselves as though we are waiting for or we are the person that we want to be with desire to be with. <laughs> so does that make sense?
0: Did, yeah, I think, I think so. I think I get um, where you're
1: going. Yeah, let's, let's live in a manner where we are clear that the person that we want to be with will know who we have been. Mm. And will they want to be with that person? Now that's one. And then the other side is Love the person in front of you, work to love the person in front of you, and somewhere between the in the middle, work it out. Hmm. Is that too much?
0: (laughs) No, it's not too much, (laughs) it's very simple. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I don't disagree with that. I think you know, I would want people's takeaway as far as like being able to get to that point where they can work it out or love the person in front of them. Um, you know, it, it, you know, for me, it always comes back to that whole unconditional self-acceptance thing, but also, you know, having some level of practice around not having sex be this uncomfortable, shameful thing. You know, and I think that if we start doing that for ourselves, we can offer that to other people rather than being, you know, so quick to shame and fight and resist and, you know, make it this taboo and um, use it as our platform. Like, I think it's dangerous for both men and women to have it have, you know, the sexual urges of the other be some sort of platform or be some sort of uh, foundation for belief about, you know, gender. So if I think that men, you know, all they want is sex and all they are is animals who are after sex and the world is unsafe because that's, that's who men are, that's how men are, that's what I'm actually going to create for myself, right? And if I get up on the platform and I say, you know, male sexual drive is disgusting, and if, you know, a man looks at me in a way that's sexual, and I feel uncomfortable, then he's an animal, and it's his problem, it's his issue. And by that same token, for a man to look at a woman and say, you know, if she wants to have sex with more than one person, if she's, you know, free with herself, or if she is sexually uninhibited, then she's unworthy, or she has lesser value, or, you know, I can't look at her as somebody who has value as a human being. I think, you know, we're just oversimplifying and we're not making enough distinction to actually heal anything. And that's what keeps us in that constant conversation, mm-hmm. you know, and makes sex uncomfortable to talk about because it's so wrong. It's all wrong. Like, you know, what other people are doing is wrong and there's something wrong with the other, not me.
1: Yeah. No. yeah. Given all, what do you think about, what do you think about what I suggest, where I suggest that we start? Uh, the two sides.
0: Well, I mean, I, I think that you're right, but I think, you know, to, to, you know, get even more specific about that, like how do you even begin to take those steps? You know, to be able to, like you said, look at the person in front of you, look at the person in front of you. And if I look at that person, the only way that I can be accepting of that person is if I've learned how to do it for myself, right? If I, if I know and understand myself. So it's like, you know, what are the specific steps that I need to take in order to even begin And for one thing, I gotta start getting aware. I gotta start getting aware that, you know, when I'm pointing fingers or when I do feel uncomfortable or conflicted or resistant around something, and I think sex is such a good topic because it is so pervasive and so many people have discomfort around it, that I'm willing to ask myself like, well, why am I so uncomfortable with my own sexuality, other people's sexuality? You know, uh, why am I so, and I know there's going to be a lot of, especially younger women out there who are going to be like, you know, what is she talking about? Like, why do I have to be so uncomfortable that a guy checks me out? If I'm walking down the street and construction worker whistles at me, why do I need to be uncomfortable? Like, I get that there is a level of, you know, Oh, I'm a woman. That means that I'm unsafe. If a man shows that he wants me on the street and, and, you know, I'm not negating all the instances of women who have been you know, victimized or in very unsafe situations based on, uh, that aggressive, violent, uh, and I don't even want to call it sexuality because I, I believe that rape and things like that, those aren't sexual though. That's violence, right? So that's a different thing. But I think unless we're willing to question why we're making something wrong and raw, then we don't get to heal it. So, and even for men, if I'm looking at a woman and I'm judging what her sexual history is or if I have, you know, if I just use women, a lot of men, they just use them and then have an opinion about them afterwards, things like that. It's like if I want to have a different experience, I got to be willing to, to question what I've believed for so long or what was conditioned into me, that there's something wrong about what they want, something wrong about what I want. And, you know, it needs to be done in the dark and done dirty and then yeah. you know the shame cycle begins.
1: I agree with you. Yeah. I really do. Yeah,
0: yeah. well that's cool.
1: Thank <laughs> you. I think you nailed it. I read a blog years ago by a sister I cannot remember her name. Mm-hmm. Um, by a sister who was angry over being catcalled or somebody you know saying something to her on the street, and it just. If I was blogging at the time, I probably would have wrote about it. Not so much her article, but just about the same topic. Yeah. But um, and you know, maybe I'll write about it now that we're talking about it. But that's, that's it. I, I can't relate. Yeah. I can't relate to that disdain that a lot of women have.
0: Well, I, I get that. It's definitely something that is conditioned into us. Because I, as an adult. Woman, probably at least through my twenties, I was conditioned to be disgusted by it. Like I was like I was supposed to. And I didn't I had to actually question that thinking. It's like, well, why? Especially once I started studying more about relationships and you know, sex and things like that. It's like it's a natural urge. So so what am I if no men are attracted to me? And I'm here cool. I am, a cisgendered straight woman. I don't want to walk around and have no men look at me, you know what I mean? (laughs) But I had to question that because, like I said, you know, my mom, out of her fears of us ever being in danger or being sexual or sexualized, Mm -hmm. taught us that it's disgusting. That, you know, if a man wants you, there's something wrong with him or, you know, he's oversexed or he's dangerous or he's going to get you in trouble in some way, right? So I think that that's that's where the heart of that is, and that anger. And I, you know, I've dealt with young women and had conversations with young women, and it can be very heated and very vitriolic because it's it's so ingrained in some women that it. And for some, they've actually experienced sexual trauma. So I think that adds a whole other layer,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know. And I haven't experienced, you know, at least not as a young child. I didn't experience any sexual trauma from any men. Or anything. So, you know, I say this with a level of, uh, you know, a little bit of a grain of salt, like I'm coming from a place of not having knock on wood, been raped by a man or anything like that. So for me, once I got aware that that I actually do want to be sexually attractive, it kind of was not so uncomfortable. (laughs) You know, I might not be attracted to the whoever's catcalling, but their need to catcall doesn't. It doesn't affect me it
2: doesn't
0: disgust me it doesn't disgust me like all right you want it you can't have it you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> you know and I you know I'm making light of it but I I think that that's part of where this begins is that that willingness for both men and women to release some of the wrong making of the other yeah I agree yeah I, agree. I like it you know I feel like we could go on about this one for hours because there's, there's I feel a lot like to we've it. done a good job wrapping it you do I do I love I this topic yeah, <laughs> done an excellent job and uh
1: and, and we've given some our listeners something to think about.
0: yeah absolutely well I thank you very much Frank love for another great week
1: thank you always
0: you want the people to come and find you where do you want the people to come and find you
1: FrankLove.com.
0: Franklove.com. And, and you guys can Mr. Come.
1: Oh, M and spell out Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R Franklove on
0: Instagram. See, I'm starting to get into Instagram. You are calling yes. out your handle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Frank Love on Instagram. Yes, it's yeah. coming. Yeah. And you also have a book coming too soon, don't you? I got two. Yes. You got two coming out This is your conversation you don't want to have with you anyway. Uh-huh. And Twenty-five ways 25 to, to love. But I thought didn't you have didn't you say you have a third one that's coming soon?
1: Well, see, relationship conversations was a. It's in many ways, it's a. It's the second edition of the first book. Got it. Okay. How to gracefully exit a relationship.
0: Like learned more I want and now want to add more.
1: Exactly. I love exactly. it. I love Wasn't it. Wasn't satisfied
0: with the first. I got, got you. To, got a double down. I got you. All right, so everybody you know, you can come to com or the epichealingcircle.com. It'll take you to the same website, my new website, which I'm loving. Come visit me. Um, we're just wrapping up, and I'm about to start the digital course of fat-shrinking emotional fitness, and pretty soon we're going to be doing my mother myself and my book, I'm Not Mad But She's Still Crazy. How I Got Right With My Mom is coming, for the sake of my love life, is coming out soon, hopefully Mother's Day. And that's it. We're all done. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Until next time, wow. never forget you are a love machine. If you ever start to feel like you aren't getting the love you need, just make more and then ask for candy. Bye now. Hey. Mwah, mwah, mwah. I call my sugar.